Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree, and I am your host, Nick. Thank you for welcoming me into your home, or your car, or your run, or exercise routine. Basically, thank you for welcoming me into your ear holes. As you may have realized, To A Certain Degree is a weekly radio show on WPRK, featuring a maker, artist, or professional who is doing something neat. Consider subscribing to the show on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. After subscribing, visit toacertaindegree.com. You can listen to old shows and, more importantly, check out some of the projects we're working on outside of the show. These range in technology from the very new with 3D printers to the very outdated with typewriters and anything in between. You can also invest in some of these ideas if you have a lot of small, unmarked bills. Now on with the show. Someone still loves you, Boris Yeltsin on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. I do this every week on Mondays from 7 till 9. And every week I have a very special guest. This week, no exception. Ryan Forstall is here. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. We have a guest. I don't know, a very special Very special um, guest. I appreciate that. Every time you're self-deprecating, you have to put a dollar in the jar. The self-deprecating jar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea. You should do that. I should do that because I feel like if you're on my show, you're amazing. Okay. A, you are, uh, let, let me just describe Ryan. Incredibly handsome. Oh, stop. Yep. He is an actor, model, host. Uh, a working actor, as a matter of fact. Indeed, yeah. I just finished my first SAG film, actually. Uh, oh, that's great. Just wrapped last week. Yes, hopefully be out by the end of this year. It's uh, it's called Fox Hunt Drive. I'm very excited about that. But yeah, all of those things are uh, superlatives. That FHD, yeah. There you go. I can't wait to see it. Uh, so we're going to get to know you. I don't know you at all. So basically what I do is I go to my previous very special guests, who are not so special now because they haven't <laughs> either. They're not on the show or they're not about to be on the show. There you go. So as I've mentioned, though, most of my guests experience about a 30% bump in their quality of life. I know for you, we're going for about a 35%. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to have you sign a contract that, that will. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I have so much legalese for you to sign anyway. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> uh, but we're going to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we're going to play essentially a 20 questions game. I'm going to say stuff and you're going to react to it. Very easy. I'm not going to show you pictures because we're on the radio. So this is more of a description and then you'll react to it. Uh, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. This game is called Death or Taxes. Oh, okay. And so we just sort of had tax day last week. There was a little bit of an issue, and so we had to uh, redo it, I think, uh, have it two days in a row where there was a, you know, there was a day a where everything some, went. Yeah. yeah, everything went uh, kind of screwy. So death if you're for something, because what's better than death? And it's inevitable. It's all of those things. Uh, and, you know, basically I think we're almost at the point where we're going to figure out how to get around it. Mm, yeah. I mean, with Facebook, I'm like, take all my privacy as long as you can keep me alive in some way, shape or form. Taxes, not so much. I'm not a big fan. Very few people. Are. Yep. Okay. So let's go with, uh, we're now in April, mid, mid to late April. How do you feel about resolutions? Death or taxes? Uh, Taxes and resolutions are ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like New Year's resolutions, yeah, that yeah, type yeah. Of, you know, it, you should always just live your best life and, and do that thing. And, and I don't I don't know many people that have ever made a resolution and that's really stuck long enough. I think it, it almost always leads to a disappointment or, a, you know, a letdown. <laughs> you, you, you try and, you know, go down this this new road or something, um, you know, uh, just 
I, I think you should always just make those decisions to do the right thing or do the best thing for yourself and uh, and not let some some New Year's tradition of some sort uh, kind of dictate that change for you. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like anyone that's ever said, you know what, this resolution is I'm going to go to the gym. They don't stick with it, you know, because it's only because of that resolution. I think that they think that they should be doing it. And you just have to make that life change. You, have to you get excited it. about it and then it's, it. it's very short lived. So when you're making a change, whether it's significant or a smaller one, what do you do or how do you like commit to that? Is it just putting it up on social media and expecting everybody to kind of push you? Just try and find a way to fit it into your life. I find that consistency is the key to change. If you just make something happen often, eventually becomes comfortable and part of the routine and then you just continue it. And I think when you, uh, when you don't find a way to fit something in your life and you're just constantly trying to, you know, work it in different ways and you don't have a set way, um, I, I mean, I used to be very unhealthy and, you know, um, in terms of, of weight, I was very overweight when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I had a job where, um, I had a small window of time that I could do things. And I used to use that to go to the gym and I worked it in and it became my set routine. And, um, I became very protective over that period of time. Um, and it became part of my routine. And now I am always, you know, designating a small period of my day each day to doing some type of a fitness thing or something. And, um, and now I'm very healthy. I mean, I, I feel like if you, if you set time aside for something and you make it part of your routine, you'll become kind of addicted to doing it or it'll become very you know, routine for you to do. Yeah. It's kind of like that phrase, you know, you have to make time and it's, it's, you can't make time. You have a set number of hours during the day. And exactly. if you want to be healthy and sleep enough, which I don't do, obviously well, overrated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting take on that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go on to the next one. I hope to get uh, an answer just like that one to this next. Let me uh, give the same answer. So yeah, death or taxes, voicemail. <sighs> Definitely taxes. I, I hate when people leave voicemails. It's, is there, we've, we've come across so many other technologies now that, that kind of prevent me from having. I think what I hate most about voicemail is when I have to call into it, my voicemail has to read me the full phone number back and then it has to tell me the date. So it's literally, there, that's like a full minute commitment to, right. to go in there. Whereas someone right. could just send me a text message and say, hey, you know. And that's like a 10 second commitment. Boom. You just, I, see. I can read fast. I see. So you're not commitment phobic. It's just the amount of time to the commitment. Efficiency. It's all about yeah. efficiency okay. and there's more efficient ways. I like it. Colonizing Mars, death or taxes? Hmm. Um, death. I think it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're reaching an age in technology and, and human evolution where I think we're, we're able to look at possibly colonizing another planet. And I see, you know, I see some value in that. I see, you know, kind of distributing the human civilization to other places. Um, hopefully we're a little more prudent and smart about how we handle that planet. I mean, at this point we have to make it habitable but um right but, but hopefully once we do we don't destroy it as much as we've done to the current planet um, well, and we'll be in little capsules so like if you do anything you're gonna affect everybody in there like you're not going to necessarily microwave fish <laughs> in that capsule on mars like that fish, is yeah. not that is not going to be acceptable exactly yeah you'll yeah. be you'll be much more careful about what you're microwaving I mean, yeah if nothing else that's going to be the big I think that's going to be the appeal to a lot of people to go to Mars. People, well, you, yeah. You're going to have this shared space and you're going to be careful about what, you know, everybody's going to be careful about what they're microwaving. I mean, nothing else. Absolutely. I like it. I like it. Uh, Romaine lettuce. That was a lot in the news uh, this past weekend. Basically a recall on all romaine lettuce. How do you feel about romaine lettuce in general? (sighs) You know, taxes. (laughs) uh, Well, uh, I would say 
that's probably a, a tax. Um, I, I prefer more of the, the, the field greens, but yep. I was at Chipotle yesterday. I know I don't normally eat Chipotle, but I was there yesterday and they didn't have any lettuce. So that's, that's how this whole lettuce thing has affected me. I was a little upset. I wanted yeah. my Chipotle bowl to have lettuce. It wasn't there. And I, yeah, I gotta Are say, you okay? Yeah, I mean, I I made it. You know, oh I'm, man, I made it. I can't here. believe you're here today. I know it was tough, that yeah. is that is really just it's commitment to digging deep. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about? And maybe you've heard about this Amazon Go. Have you heard about this store concept that they're doing up in Seattle? I haven't. No. Yeah. So you walk in. You have the app. Okay. Uh, so it's tied to your Amazon thing, Amazon Prime or whatever. Uh, you walk in. You grab whatever you want. You walk out, and it charges you. you there's no cashier. There's a bunch of cameras, a bunch of scanning things and uh, stuff like that. There are some people who work there, obviously. Right. right. Uh, but that's the idea behind it. How would you feel about that in general? Just walking into a store, grabbing your stuff, going. Death or taxes? Uh, I mean, I, I would say death. I think death is a good one, right? Yes. Yeah, death is good. Death, death uh, is always great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there, I think, you know, technology is allowing that type of thing to exist. I think a long time ago, it would have been pretty easy to exploit that type of a scenario. But now, I mean, everything can be can be monitored pretty closely. And, and Amazon certainly has the money to invest in that type of technology to make it, you know, that, that efficient. I don't like the fact that it could be replacing human jobs. I mean, that that's definitely going to be a factor in the economy and in the you know, coming future that we're able to automate everything and not need so many clerks in the stores and things like that. You know, it, it seemed like for a while that manufacturing was going to be the most hard hit, but it looks like now they're finding, you know, a lot of different service industry ways service to, industry, to remove yeah. human interaction. And, and, you know, there's going to be a, a, a price to pay for that aspect of it, but it's kind of neat to just be able to go in and, you know, just see what you want, grab it, walk out, let technology handle the difference. And well, eventually all the shoppers will be robots too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if, if you know, it's a brick and mortar solution to, um, you know, the industry that seemed to want nothing to do with brick and mortar. They were very, you know, direct buy and, and mail it to you and, and get it to you even within a day now. I mean, got some of this, yeah. you know, Amazon Prime stuff is so efficiently brought to you that it's almost unbelievable. But well, and now we'll have the target lanes where you can order on your app beforehand and they'll bring it out to your car. <laughs> so you just drive up. Here you go, and then you drive away. I'm hoping eventually I'll just be able to think about what I want. And just, you know, it appears. Hmm, yeah, I just want a burger, and then boom, right there. Yeah. Oh, now I'm starving. Yeah, well, go. good call. Uh, how do you feel about zombies, death or taxes? Oh, death. I mean, come on. They've brought us so much great entertainment. I, I don't think it's ever going to you know, really happen, or at least I sincerely hope it won't. But, yeah, there's, uh, there's something to be said. It's definitely become a, a big trend to, uh, or the kind of the hot thing, the hot monster in the last decade is the zombie. Walking. The monster. The monster, yeah. Yep. The Walking Dead definitely ushered in a, an era of zombie uh, awesomeness, but that's, uh, yeah, I'd say that's that. Do you have a preference on your monster? Like, is there a, a cinematic universe that you would prefer? Uh, so we had, obviously, vampires were big for a while. Uh, we have put zombies now. Maybe we'll go back to, I'm, I'm personally waiting for werewolves because I'm Greek and I'm covered in hair. Gianni Werewolfy, yeah, which is so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um <sighs> You know, uh, maybe some Bigfoot. I don't know that they're necessarily monsters. Mm. I mean, I don't want to label it's like any creatures. Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not get, you, know, yeah. you don't want to alienate any of the, the monster segments. But do you have a preference? I mean, you're in the entertainment industry. Do you have a preference on, okay, what would, what, what's the next hot monster, hot monster? Well, yeah, that's a really tough thing to call, honestly. I'm glad that the vampire thing has moved on because that seemed to get, that was way too hot for too long. Yeah. And then they're cool. I mean, they can, you know, they can be very smooth and suave and then they're very 
barbaric as well. But yeah, no, honestly, I don't know what the, uh, maybe the swamp monsters and yeah, bring those back. Oh yeah, know. we did have the, um, uh, the shape of water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, maybe yeah. that'll be the fish monsters will be next. Yeah. He, uh, he could Good be job. bringing it back for us. Yeah. I'm hoping, well, I've got a lot of fish monsters that listen to the show. So if, hey. if you guys are listening, you're next. Hello, all fish monsters. Nice job. Uh, how about taking your phone in the bathroom? Death or taxes? <laughs> well. Which um, is funny because it might lead to death. I'm conflicted on this one. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say death because I do it, um, you know, because it's, we're just so busy in society and our phones are just a connection. Like, um, you know, when I used to have a desk job, I used to sit at my desk and I would bring up the news and, and kind of stay connected to what's happening in the world mm -hmm. through that. And as I would be working, I'd kind of scan the news and stuff. And now I don't, I'm, I'm as an actor, my desk is kind of my phone and my car and you know wherever I happen to be so I use my phone to kind of stay up on things um and sometimes when you're you know taking a break to use the restroom you kind of that's your time to look at things real quick and just be like oh okay this is what's happening in the world quiet time get a concentrate that's it so I'll be in there for you know two three hours just looking at the no I'm just kidding um but yeah no that's uh unfortunately a death. hour and a half max yeah yeah you don't want to I mean, it depends if you black out or not that's it yeah your yeah. legs fall asleep and you can you can't get up so <laughs> Uh, how about coffee, death or taxes? Uh, death. Yeah? It doesn't need explanation. It's coffee. I mean, who doesn't? Oh, okay. There's a handful of weirdos. I mean, people who don't like coffee. But yeah, death is uh, probably my answer for coffee. Okay. I like Very a lot good. of cream and sugar in it, though. So some people don't consider it. Some people are just like, oh, coffee has just got to be black to be coffee. But Well, so you mainly have sugar and cream with a dash of coffee. Kind of, yeah. Was, yeah. In Rhode Island, where I grew up, there was a thing called coffee milk. It was the drink of the state. It was the state drink. And if you left Rhode Island, most people, like even in just outside Massachusetts, Connecticut, they wouldn't even know what you were talking about if you asked for a coffee milk. But it was basically chocolate syrup, but coffee flavored. And you just add milk to it. And it was just a very coffee, extremely sweet drink. Yeah. Um, was it caffeinated? Was it like super caffeinated or anything? Or was it, it just it's, kids it's, drank it? It's a and... kids drink. So I, okay. I imagine it wasn't very caffeinated yeah. if it had any, but it was... Uh, it was, you know, it was delicious and sweet. And so that was kind of, as a group, that was the taste of coffee to me. So now when I drink coffee, I want a lot of sugar in it. Yeah. Cream, so. Well, growing up Greek, we had feta milk. Oh. So that was the, that was the water that the feta sat in. So we would just do shots of that. Delicious. Mainly on a dare. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> never did that. That would be so gross. Uh, speaking of so gross, cinematic universes. I'm just kidding. I love cinematic universes. Marvel, DC, uh, we they did try Universal's Dark Universe. They were trying to do the monsters, uh, but also Star Wars at this point is a cinematic universe. How do you feel about those? We've got Avengers coming out, Avengers three coming out this week. As a matter of fact, it's you know a movie at most could be like two and a half hours long. Beyond that, you kind of start to everyone's legs start to fall asleep, their butt starts to hurt. So I think it's interesting when you have these universes, you can bring a lot of storyline in and kind of develop things more. And, um, you know, sometimes they're just milking the money. Um, and it's, you know, it doesn't need its own universe. It can be done in a movie or so. Um, but then sometimes, you know, I think, I think Star Wars is a great example. I mean, the, each of those films fills in so much information into this big, you know, arcing storyline. Um, same thing with the Avengers one. I mean, they, you know, they're kind of, can't be blockbuster films but they they do they cover a larger storyline which can be interesting i'm i'm not a fan of all of the universes but uh, but certainly some of them have value in, in being a universe because like again you can introduce a lot of cool characters you can mm -hmm. develop those characters instead of having them be kind of superficial and and not in having much time, yeah. yeah just not have much time to explain why they are what the way they are or whatever so Right, because I think, what is it, like 20 or so heroes in this next Avengers movie? 
they really are. We're not going to have time. They're packing them in. Yeah. yeah. So they needed these backstories in their own individual movies. And, and again, it's about the dollar as well. You know, they get to make money off each individual character and then they combine them to make, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Avengers is probably going to break all, all, you know, box office records. It's just going to be. It's going to do well. The, the trailer, every time a new one comes out or anytime they, you know, I just, it just, it's a wave of excitement that rolls through my Facebook feed from all these people that are like, oh, I can't, you know, they're just losing their minds over how excited they are. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how well it does. But I think it's going to, uh, if it's any indication how each of the individual films has done, yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. one's going to be just a massive hit. Yeah, I'm not going to bet that it's not going to do well. I, I would take that bet against yeah. you if you did. Yeah. So, yeah. How about sandwiches, death or taxes? I love sandwiches, so death. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big sandwich eater. Um, favorite sandwich to make for yourself and then favorite sandwich to have made for you? Mm, gosh. I ask the hard questions. I know. Here, this Ryan. Is, I this mean, is this is riveting. Your, your listeners are going to be way too knowledgeable about me. It's scary. Right. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a very adventurous sandwich eater. I just like sandwiches. It's just the combination of the, the, the dryness of the bread with the condiments and then I like meat. So, you know, for me, probably it's just a plain turkey sandwich with mayo and mustard. And um, so that's probably, the you know, with a cheese, about a Munster provolone, something like that. Um, to have made for me probably the same sandwich, but with maybe banana peppers, because I don't normally buy those. So if I'm having someone, you know, at a... At a at so you're out and about and you yeah, see yeah, all the stuff available. I'm at the Publix Deli bar or whatever. Um, I'll ask for those on it as well. Yeah, that's a great idea. The Publix Deli Bar. Oh yeah, yeah. So just standalone like sandwich and beers. I don't know why they haven't done that. Yeah, well, Publix. Well, I think we're gonna do it. We now. just developed. We're just gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a bunch of Boar's Head and some other stuff. Let's do it. And banana peppers. Apparently, well, I mean, that's all we need. Well, we need some banana peppers. <laughs> it's right. just banana pepper sandwiches. That's all. Great. I like it. Uh, Toys R Us. <sighs> Very sad. Um, you know, taxes to it going away. Death to the concept of Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Love it. You know, it's very nostalgic to the people who, you know, grew up before right now. Um, because I remember when I was a kid and I grew up very poor, um, going there was like, from Rhode Island again, that was like Disney. Like I used to go there and it was just aisle after aisle, just matched the warehouse of fun, just toys and happiness. And you just want to walk through and just look at everything and touch everything. Um, you know, and, and the age that we talked, you know, touched on before of everything getting delivered right to your door and being cheaper that way because they don't have the overhead of a store and all that stuff. It was only a matter of time, I think, before Toys R Us was going to see something like this happen. And it was going to be really hard. They came up with some really cool ideas. They had kind of a mixed or augmented reality interface mm-hmm. that they were trying to bring in to try and, you know, bring in the technology that they knew these, this generation was embracing heavily. Um, and then, you know, it didn't work really, obviously. So they're, they're bankrupt. It's very sad because, you know, now there's not going to be a designated superstore of toys for kids to go and enjoy and stuff. But I think, uh, you know, this day and age, a lot of kids have a lot more toys than we had when we were young. And, um, so I think a lot of these people's houses are like giant toy stores for these kids. So. Oh, that's a good point. So kids these days deserve no toys. Nothing. No, I think no. is what you're saying. No, rock and a That's stick what is what I had. Yeah, when I was yeah. a kid, I had a stick and you a rock. You had a stick? Lo- yeah, it was. I had to. I forged the the forest for it myself. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just a. Uh, it's a different time we live in, and it's unfortunate that Toys R Us is a casualty of that. So moving down from Rhode Island, I was curious about this one: the beach, death or taxes. Uh, I'd say probably more taxes for me. I like the beach in doses, small doses. I don't like sand. I don't like sunburn. Um, I'm light skinned. So there are, those are two big components of the beach. Huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, you got to do you really, like water? 
love water. Okay. Love, love right, water. It could good. exist in the water. Um, and again, I, I like when I'm at the beach, the sound, the the ions rolling off the waves, all of, you know, the, the I do, it resonates very strong because I grew up on a peninsula. So I was always around the water, but, um, but the beach just, you know, some people can just go lay on the sand for hours at a time and it just is their thing and they think it's the greatest. For me, I'd rather be doing something. I like uh, to, you know, move around more, and uh, I don't like feeling crusty. And I feel that way after the beach, where mm-hmm. you just have like sand, and just the sunscreen makes it stick to you, and the, you know, the, the crevasses, st- yeah, all the crevasses, all the crevasses. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. All right, and last question for now: tiny houses, death uh, or taxes? Um, I'll go death. I think they're pretty neat. I think they're neat. I think it's kind of, again, another sign of the times. I think, you know, the old concept of you need the biggest house you can get type of a thing. I think a lot of that changed when, you know, the housing market changed and, uh, and it was no longer, didn't make a ton of sense to try and get as much house as possible. Um, and a lot of these tiny houses are gorgeous. So, I mean, you can get some really cool features in a tiny house for the reasonable price. And, uh, so is it something you would do? Well, I'm, you know, I'm six two, and I look at some of these houses, and I just feel like I would be bumping my head on stuff a lot. Like some of them are just a little too tiny. Um, but so I mean, we need a big and tall tiny house, big tiny company house. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, to kind no, of. No, I mean we can build them for specialized for guys who are a little bit taller or wider. In my case, it's yeah. it's a little paradoxical to to consider the the bigness of a tiny house in that way. But yeah, I think that's uh that's. A market, an untapped market we should maybe go into. Bad business ideas will come up in next hour. Uh, Thank you you very much, Ryan, for that. That was my pleasure. Why don't we play a song? You're going to stay? Of course. Great. Ryan Forstall is going to stay his allotted hours because otherwise there's a lawsuit. Uh, The Sundays, we're going to play the Sundays with Skin and Bones. Excellent. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Mood Condiments. Let's say you had a fight while on a date and you lost your appetite. Well, that's fantastic. Well, for us, not for you. Research that we just did shows that your mood affects how food tastes. So Mood Condiments uses a patented nanotechnology that determines how you're feeling and releases different chemical agents to account for that. No matter how you feel, it won't change your meal. Mmm, nanotechnology. The Sundays on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Skin and Bones from their 1990 album, Reading, Writing, and arithmetic, all of the best subjects. Well, except arithmetic and, and reading. Uh, writing's pretty fun, though. Enjoy that. Yeah. I do a lot of writing. Um, when uh, I was a very young man, back in the year 1995, before we had a lot of different things, we thought the uh, America Online was the internet. And I don't know if you remember that America course, Online. Yeah, yeah. You get the CD and every and day. You get, you get a new yeah. CD. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. They were really good about CDs. Apparently, <laughs> CD technology was cheap even then. But I uh, found myself writing for one of the channels, one of the comedy channels on AOL. So I started out writing some trivia for them, which I really enjoyed. So I've incorporated that into the show. And then I wrote a column. It was sort of a Saturday Night Lifestyle, like fake news kind of tongue-in-cheek stuff, except not as funny, (laughs) not nearly as funny, not anywhere close as funny. But that's how I would describe it, just to make sure people understood. And then, uh, I don't know how I fell into it, I I created this character, and I really wanted to analyze people's dreams. I thought that would be a funny little column, because it was just writing then, right? Like, 1995, you're not streaming videos or recording podcasts. Unfortunately, I should have thought of that early. 
I did not. Uh, but I created this character called uh, Dr. Julius Mangelhide. And he analyzed people's dreams because I didn't feel like Nick is not the right person to analyze dreams. Nick knows nothing about people's dreams. Nick also apparently talks about himself in third person sometimes. Occasionally. Uh, but, you know, it, so I created this character so I could have this persona. I didn't have as much, even though I didn't still know anything about dreams, I didn't have as much imposter syndrome. And it was very freeing to me. Like, it's not necessarily acting. But it was something that was uh, really, really just, what's the word I'm looking for? It was Liberating. Yeah, yeah, liberating. Yes, thank you very much. And that was acting. I mean, yeah, that's you're, you were taking on a persona and, per, and pursuing it and, and giving it life. And, yeah, that's, that's acting, yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, uh, you're a working actor. I am, yes. And so how long have you been doing that and how did you get into it? Was that a school thing or was that a kind of you fell into it afterwards? I, well, when I was six years old, I, I got my first lead role in a theater production. So I got the acting bug very early on in life. And I, I did a lot of theater when I was younger. I've also been a musician since I was uh, very young. So performing in general, being in front of people and doing something that you kind of work on on your own, and then you bring it to the, to the stage or to wherever and, and you showcase what you, what you can do. Um, I've been doing that for a very, very long time. As far as the, the, the vein of acting that I'm in now, which in Florida, the majority of paid acting is going to be commercial acting. So yeah. the, the commercials that are shot here, um, as far as that goes, I've been doing that for about two years, almost two years. Got into that because I was, well, I was performing as a, as a musician. I had started a band and um, the one of the members of the band um, who was an executive for a hospital kind of made a career change, decided he wanted to do something different. And he, he at some point in his life was a commercial actor here in Florida, decided to get back into it. We'd be at rehearsals or whichever. And, um, he would talk about the fun, cool shoot he was just on or, you know, the, the the casting he went to or this person that he got to work with, you know, celebrity or something. And I was just thinking every time I'd hear these stories, I was an insurance agent. I had been for 12 years and I used to sit at a desk and deal with, you know, auto insurance, home insurance and just the so monotony. So were you acting on the side or were you doing anything else? Well, at that time I was just, just an working. insurance agent, just, yeah. just grinding through life at a desk job and... um and I Not listen. that there's anything wrong with that. No, no. A lot a of insurance agents listen to this show. Absolutely. No, it's a very honorable profession. And that's what kept me there for 12 years. And I made, you know, I made good money and it was very consistent and, and, uh, and, and safe in that sense. So I did that. And, uh, you know, I was using the band, my, my music as my outlet, my creative so outlet. You had there. That. Yeah. So I had that. And, and he would talk about how much fun he was having doing all these other things. And I would think to myself, why am I not doing something fun like that? Why? Why not? I mean, I've, I've acted before. I know I can do it. I know how much fun and, the, you know, the thrill of, of learning something and bringing it forward and then people being like, oh, that was great. That was really cool. And that, and that type of, um, of satisfaction that you get from doing that. So I said, you know what, what, what do I have to do? How do I get into this? How do I break in where, into what you've got going on? Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was like, just get headshots and, you know, submit them to agents. And that's kind of the first step. And then from there, the agents will look for work for you and they'll send you out on stuff. And then you kind of see what happens. And he's like, I think you'll do well. So I went and I did, I got, I got headshots done. Um, I got headshots done and then I sat on them for a long time. I didn't, I didn't submit them right away because I was afraid of the potential rejection, which yeah. is a big part of the industry. And that's, you know, I kind of eased into it in that sense. So I, I had the headshots, I, I probably waited about three months once I had the headshots done to actually do anything with them. Um, eventually, you know, everything is uh, electronically submitted now. It used to be where you had to go to the agents and, you know, bring them stuff or you had to mail them stuff. Right. Now you just make a file and you send it by email and they get it and they look at it. And if they want you, they'll contact you. 
I was very fortunate when I submitted the, right away, a couple of good agencies were like, yeah, yeah, you know, come in and talk to us. We, we're interested. So, uh, so then I got a couple of good agents right up front and started doing stuff. And my agent suggested, you know, you, you really want to be successful at this. You want this to be a thing, go to school for it, learn, you know, take classes, do what you've got to do to become educated because you, they don't want to pay you on set. They don't want to pay you the money that they're going to pay the actors for your education on set. They don't want you learning on the fly. They want you, they want to bring people in that know what's going on. They're going to know you're going to be able to plug in right away. That's it. And you're good to go. They're going to pay you the millions of dollars that they pay me. Oh, billions. I mean, sometimes billions. Billions. Yeah. 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 Trillions. So if they're going to do that, they want to know that you know what you're doing. So I went to school and uh, I went to ArtSake, which is a a school right here in Winter Park. Um, Mm -hmm. Yvonne Suhor is the the lead instructor. there. She's amazing. Christy um, Poggi, David Menes. They're, 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 phenomenal crew of people there that teach you the basics of everything. And then you kind of go through the ranks and you can learn and, and pr- progress more and more. So what kind of, I mean, were you learning improv? Were you learning uh, specifically towards uh, a specific sort of stage versus television versus movies? Like what were you concentrating on or was there anything you were concentrating on? Methods of getting into a character, kind of shedding who you are very personally and finding pieces of you in the characters that you're being asked to play. So this school, <clears throat> pardon me, this school does kind of really focus on the, the more theatrical, the the uh, movie and TV type acting. Mm-hmm. Commercial acting is a different beast because you're, you you exist for 30 seconds in a, in a commercial and it's, it's very narrow. A lot of times the commercial is only you for moments of that 30 seconds. So you really don't need too, too much depth to whatever you're doing. You need to be able to emote the, you know, the feeling they want you to have. You're very happy about the product. You're very sad that the one that you normally used isn't working for you or whatever. Right. So these basic emotions you need to be able to put out there. But for the most part, you're not, you're not digging too deep into a character and really, you know, figuring things out too much, but. So mainly happy and sad. <laughs> Those are the two. Those are the two. That's it. Confusion. Sometimes if you're in an infomercial, how do I, I can't cook pasta. This is crazy. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, once you, um, once you master those basics, you're pretty much, you can do commercial, um, you know, and a lot of commercial is just look. Unfortunately, if you, if you look like what they want for that particular thing, you'll probably book it because they don't need somebody who's a tremendous actor for a lot of the stuff. They mm-hmm. just need somebody who looks the, to whatever demographic they're trying Appeals to appeal to. to for that. That yeah, yeah, so, um, it's, it's called book a look and that's, that's a big thing with commercial. But when you get into the television and movie, you, they need to look, but they also need someone that can carry the, you know, the, the vibe of that character. If they're, um, like for instance, I was a, a detective in the movie that I just, I just wrapped. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting seeing when you go to the, the auditions and the callbacks, all the variety of people that show up to those and mm-hmm. all the different types of people and, and the type of perspective they'll bring to that character. And then, you know, you see once the audition's over the callback, then you kind of get a sense of what they're looking for based on who gets brought back in. And I remember when we went back to the callback on this particular movie, it was pretty varied. I mean, there was a, the, the other people were nothing like me. So, um, so really, they were still deciding, possibly. They, they yeah. weren't sure what direction they wanted to take the character. Yeah. And so they were looking for, you, you know, each of our individual takes on how what we brought to that character for the read because you, you only have so much to work with. They give you a, what's called a side, which is just a little snippet of the script that, that involves that character. You don't really know the full context of the character in the film. So you have to kind of make stuff up. You have to say, okay, well, I bet this character has a wife and kids and would feel this way about this. And then, so they deliver the line this way. And so I, you know, I brought what I felt was right to that character. And then the other character, you know, the other actors brought what they felt was right. And ultimately the the casting director and the, the producer and the director look at it and say, okay, I kind of like how 
he represented that. And then mm-hmm. they go with that. So, yeah. so as a detective, you had, obviously, you came trench coat, Sherlock Holmes hat, magnifying glass, English accent. I even brought my own uh, Watson. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a, perfect. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Don't have to pay this guy. He's with me. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it was. That's I mean, probably where you got the role. I mean, two for one. Actually, uh, initially, the character wasn't supposed to be a detective. He was supposed to be a police officer. And I have, um, I play racquetball with a lot of sheriffs and, and police officers and stuff. And uh, so I asked one of them if I could borrow some of his, you know, police accoutrements. So I had the, the holster with the badge and, you know, all those things. And so really tried to dress the part, which is sometimes to your detriment. If you try and look too much like the part you're trying to go right. for, it can it can actually detr- detract from what you're trying to achieve. But Well, because, yeah, because then you're exactly the character they're envisioning. And if that's not the right direction and they can't envision you any other way. Exactly. You niche yeah. yourself a little too much. And so, uh, but in this case, it worked out. And uh, ultimately... The character was still supposed to be a police officer, but in the filming, they couldn't get a police cruiser. They could only get an undercover detective car, so they had to adjust on the fly to keep the production rolling. And they were like, okay, well, guess what? We got to change the script a little bit, and your character just got bumped to detective. And uh, wow. so this you is, got a promotion on set. Right away, boom. That's amazing. Yeah, it didn't affect my pay, strangely, but it was still uh, it was still very flattering to, to have been promoted that quickly. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was how that went. But you're yeah. solving crimes, man. You're, you're out there. You're doing stuff. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. Did you solve the crime? I guess, I guess we'll have to wait for the movie. I can't reveal. Too yeah, much. please to, do not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, was it a big part? Was it a supporting part? It was, a, it was the, by all technicality, it was the third largest part in the film. Okay. So there's two people that are very much the two main characters um and they brought them in from la and then as far as what was cast in florida my part was then the next was the largest thing cast nice. in florida so so i was curious about this again uh the avengers is coming out this mm-hmm. week uh and i've always thought that the villain is probably a lot more interesting to play than the hero i'm with you on that yeah so yeah i was curious if you've done both or if you've had both roles what do you think about that in terms of uh, which would be more interesting or have more depth I definitely think that there is a uh, a very strict archetype to the hero. Um, and so when you are playing a hero, you kind of, I don't want to say you're limited, but I think you have, you know, there's there's a, a more exact, with a villain, you can kind of go anywhere with it. I mean, like it has to be kind of, you know, dastardly in some way. But yeah, you, I, I, I just think villainous parts are just more fun. They can be more difficult, particularly for me, because I, I tend to skew towards the more hero roles uh, by look, but... Um, but yeah, no, I, there's a, there's actually a film coming up about human trafficking that, um, that I'm going to be casting for. And, and, uh, they're looking to get me in as the, as the bad guy in that film. Really? And I'm extremely excited because yeah. as much as I despise the person that they're looking to cast me in, um, I'm intrigued to try and, and play that role and, do yeah. it and bring yeah. that to, you know, to life and, and give it give it something but yeah that's uh i would say the villain is definitely the more interesting personally i think it is yeah well i tell you what for practice sake if you want to be the villain on the show i was already kind of skewing i'm the hero you're the villain clearly well how do you what do you mean clearly that you're no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) uh just out of curiosity coming out of um high school uh, so did you go directly to college, uh, and was acting part of that process as well? Or did you say, okay, I did this since I was six years old, you know, I've kind of done this. I'm going to go to college for a more traditional career like degree. Um, 
my younger years were very interesting and um, with with my parents and and life was uh was a little bit odd i tried school right out of high school and and i didn't complete it um it's you know life brings you down a lot of different paths um and i felt like the 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 standard path was to try and get into college right after high school and mm-hmm. get that way um, but it just didn't, it just didn't make sense for me to do it right at that time. So didn't I, stick. no, it didn't, unfortunately, but I wanted to go to school for philosophy. So that, that was the direction that I was going for, which is an extremely marketable career. I know I, I, yeah. I easily could have done anything with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, any fortune 500 company, I mean, what they're looking for right now is, you know, what we need is just to think about what we're doing. Yeah. Cause I think you see that in a lot of the Amazons and the, uh, the bigger companies out there, they're really giving a lot of thought to that. I just wanted to wear a toga. I, I thought at the time, I was probably mistaken about that, but I thought at the time it was just really about, you know, the fig leaves around the ears and the togas. But you have to dress for the job that you want, that's not right. the job that you have. Yeah, well, I mean, and there's toga a example. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm wearing <laughs> it right now. I thought you, I, I think you look good. I, I didn't know that we were both going to be wearing togas, so I'm a little embarrassed. I actually feel camaraderie for it, but that's fine. Okay, yeah, well, that's fine. To, okay. Well, and cultural appropriation. I mean, being Greek, uh, you know, that's that's kind of my thing. Not very natural. I'll take mine yeah. off if you don't feel like it's comfortable. That's no, no, no. Keep it off. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was coming out of high school. So eventually, uh, did you go back? <clears throat> um, I I have gone back for classes, but not as a full time student. No, okay. and, and uh, nope. Actually, I've I've been in the workforce since I was very since I was eleven years old. I, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I actually. Interesting story. Started working for the mafia. I know, which is crazy. Um, I don't know the Rhode Island mafia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to uh, I went to a store that was that was run by a, a gentleman who was uh, involved in that stuff, and and uh, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, I wasn't that wasn't an intention to do. But I went in and I lied about my age, and they weren't too concerned about any proof of anything. Uh, I told them I was I was fourteen, which at the time you could work part time at fourteen years old. I was only eleven. I always looked older than I was, so. Um, so they were cool with that, and uh, <laughs> and then, and then uh, eventually I, I figured out what was going on. But I I, uh, I have been making money for myself since I was very very young. So I got used to making money sure. and supporting myself at a young age, and so that was kind of the direction that I went was to uh, just want to work instead of school. Well, and very little of it was mafia related. I mean, percentage wise, <laughs> yes, yeah. There was very little. Mafia activity. I was never actually. I mean, I, I never did anything crazy. I was just. If, <laughs> it was. It just turned out later on that I found out that that store was somewhat involved. But yeah. Well, what I think is interesting. Um, so working at a college and working at admissions is. I talked to a lot of people who are coming back or mm-hmm. feel like they need that credential. But you really got the credentialing that you needed for the career that you wanted, right? Like you went back and you took acting classes and you did the things that you needed to do mm-hmm. in order to move up within your industry. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, yeah. I mean, when you, when you find what it is that you want, cause that's a tough thing when you're very young, you know, you, you, you have this sense of, yeah, I, I want to make money or I want to, you know, live this type of life, but you really don't know what will make you happy. You have this, you know, kind of end result, but you're getting there. I, I think it's hard to know what you want to do for your life at that age. And so, um, I kind of, sensed that at the time. I'm like, I don't know that this is what I, you know, I don't know that I want to invest this much time into something that I'm not sure is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Once you find what it is that you want, you go back to school and you're so much more passionate about learning about it. So I don't know that even at the time, if I'd gone to school for acting, that I would have 
embraced it as much as I did once right. I realized that it was what I wanted. And then it now when, you know, when I'm in class, when I'm dealing with, um, you know, learning about these things, I'm very passionate and, and, and it sticks so much better and it, and it makes more sense. And you, you, you know, strive to be the best you can in those classes versus just getting through them and trying to get a, a diploma or a degree at the end and, and then moving on. Um, so yeah, I think, I think going to school, once you have a really strong feeling about what it is you want to go to school yeah. for is a very good thing. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for taking that, whatever that gap is, because I wasn't ready to go to school. Uh, at 18, I went to University of Florida. I basically flunked out, not because I was doing anything crazy or doing, I just missed being home. I was not going to my classes uh, because that, all of a sudden that amount of freedom that I had was just too much for me. It was overwhelming. I was not mature enough to, to handle it. Yeah. Uh, barely mature enough to handle it now, you know, 72 years later. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up jumping around to a couple of different schools. I was curious, though, if acting, you know, acting at such a young age and then uh, potentially some of your other experiences, did that help you find your voice? Because that was something eventually I did the radio over at WUCF and that helped me find my voice. That helped me come out of my shell quite a bit. So was that acting for you at a young age where you had to go and pretend to be a character and interact with all these people um, and be almost professional to an extent at a very early age? Starting at six, so I don't know what it was like prior, really, to that. So whether it brought me out or not, um, I just know that I started doing it very young and then became the person I am today who can do it. Um, it very likely, you know, being in front of an audience and having to, to be vulnerable in that way at a very young age, I think it does kind of numb you to the, you know, the, the things that a lot of people that prevents a lot of people from wanting to do it. That fear of, you know, of, of the rejection of people, yeah, 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 yeah. the audience isn't going to like what you're doing or that you're going to fail and mess up somehow or all of those things. When you're very, very young, the consequences are very small. You know, no one's going to hate a child for, you know, duffing a line or, or not. <laughs> well, <laughs> they hate children for other reasons, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you drop a line, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to crucify you and give you a terrible write up or something like that. So, I think it's. Uh, I think it was good that I did start at the young, young age. I did, I did, and then do, did a lot of it, and then I got out of it for a while because again, life doesn't always let you stay on the path that you that you want to be on. So until about the age of fifteen, I think I, I was doing shows pretty steadily, and then kind of life changed, and um, and then eventually I got back in again. That was you know just fairly recently that that happened, but um, but yeah, definitely a good thing. I think it was a, it was a positive experience having all of that exposure when I was young, being out there and, um, and kind of experiencing the thrill of working on it and then yeah. going out and then getting applause and, you know, and that, that, and that gratification at the end of the performance that people would come up to you and be like, man, that was really great. Look at you. You, you, you went up there and you killed it. And that was great. Um, that's a very thrilling, you know, the thrilling thing. You get that instant gratification for the work that you're doing versus a lot of jobs where you do really hard work and then, you know, you, you send it out there and you hope that, you know, the world receives somebody it well notices. or whatever. Yeah. yeah that somebody Are notices. you describing the show? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. That's it. Send, hey, come on, guys, send emails to him. Let him know that you love Yeah, this. let me know anything, any kind of response. That's it. Flowers, Just, he'll take send flowers. Uh, if for this Facebook video. likes, I'll oh. take that at this point. There you go. Yeah, there you go. yeah. yeah. Friends. I would love to oh, have more friends. Friend him. Come well, that back. sounds weird when I say it out loud. It <laughs> yeah. sounds really sad. It's come out of your mouth. It doesn't yeah. it feels yeah. sad. All right, Ryan, we'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, first hour, done. Wow. Yeah. That was Flies fast by. and easy. Yeah. Pleasure to talk to is me. Is you, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Forstall is here. He'll be here for another hour. 
so we've got bad business ideas. We've got a very, very special pop quiz that I'm excited about that you should be excited about, too, even though most people don't get excited when they hear the two words pop and quiz in that order. I don't know that if you hear it quiz pop, that, that actually like that. does yeah, sound yeah, a lot better. That. Yeah, yeah that we'll go quiz we're going to. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do that, though. Uh, Ryan Forstall, we've got bad business ideas coming up. Let's listen to some Dirty Dozen Brass Band. Love it. With Unclean Waters on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Hello, Nick here. If you're like me, you get mad at people. And if you're also like me, you're getting older and forgetting the people you have beef with. Until now. Our new sponsor, I'm a big fan, Track and Ruin, takes the work out of managing your anger. Who are we tracking here? Who are we talking about? How about the person who didn't tell you about the spinach in your teeth or that your collar was popped? They took your parking space. They never acknowledged a gift. Whatever the wrong is, whether it's real or imaginary, you put it into your phone through our app. But Nick, you say, what makes this more special than a regular list? I'm glad you asked. What Track and Ruin does is cross-reference the wrongdoer wherever they exist on your phone across every possible medium. That person posts something funny on Facebook and you click like, Our app won't let you. It'll set up a warning so that you can't like any of their posts for, say, three days to three years. Another person on your list calls and asks you for a favor. The app prevents you from calling them back until a certain amount of time has elapsed. Yes, it's passive-aggressive and petty, but so was she when she gave you that backhanded compliment about your shoes. Track and ruin. Your retribution is our business. Okay, go. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. That was Don't Ask Me. I may not be emphasizing the right words. They might be giants before that with Letterbox. And before the break, we heard from the Dirty Dozen Brass Band with Unclean Waters. And uh, uh, Ryan Forstall is here. Indeed. Has nothing to do with unclean waters or water unclean or otherwise. Generally, you seem like no. a clean water kind of guy. I, I like my you waters do. clean. Yeah. Good, good. Well, th- that's why you're a perfect candidate for this next segment. Uh, it's called Bad Business Ideas. Again, the emphasis. I'm just off on emphasis today. So let's play the song. Bad Business Ideas. It's time to pick just one. It's going to be totally legal. Yeah, if you want to drum along. it won't hurt anyone. So come on, have some fun. That's great. Thanks, Ryan. We, yeah. That was really good. Some drumming in there. I like it. That's not something I had considered for the song before. I'm, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Brilliant Ryan, uh, professional, professional, semi-amateur drummer. Is that correct? <laughs> professional, that... semi-amateur is actually exactly the correct, <laughs> yes, designation for what I do. Uh, actor, semi, uh, or professional, semi-amateur drummer. Uh, so you're going to know a lot about business. The in the in the relationship that I've had with business, I know those things. Yes, great, perfect, perfect. So we're going to talk about some bad business idea. I'm going to bring a picture up here while we're talking about it. But the idea behind bad business ideas okay. that doesn't make any sense is I this is my creative outlet for sort of the gypsy side of me, being okay. Greek, uh, having family that uh, you know serial entrepreneur, but in the sense that they don't necessarily want to start a business. They just want to tell you their idea so that you will go out and start it and they can feel justified in having the idea in the first place. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So it's very healthy uh, and it may not seem like it. I do a lot of research. Uh, again, it may not seem like it, but I put myself into the shoes of the consumer, the customer, because I'm looking for things that will, you know, people will want. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, most importantly, and this is 100% true, I spend a lot of time coming up with clever names. I think 90% of a business is the name. It's a big deal. Absolutely. Uh, and so here's just a couple that you may have heard of in the past. Uh, drone delivery for emotional support animals. So if you need an emotional support animal for like an hour, this drone will deliver it to you. That was called The Beagle Has Landed. Okay. Uh, there's the it. fire pit rental service. We're in Florida. You don't need a fire pit all the time. So that's amplifier. You just pull it up on your phone. You say, I need a fire pit. This many people are coming over. S'mores, yes, no. Amplifier brings it to you. Love it. And then there was Time Bomb, which is clothes that are actually made out of medication. So you just absorb it through osmosis. Because one of the biggest troubles is, you know, people forget to take their medication. But if your shirt is your medication or your pants, more importantly, is your medication, uh, then you can just absorb it. You don't have to worry about taking any pills. You got to make sure you put the right clothes on. I mean, you wear the blue pants. Next thing you know, it's it's totally different. You, that's not your blood pressure medication. I like that because it reminds me of Matrix. So he could put on the red pants or the blue pants. Totally different day. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, you can have a totally different day depending on what you choose there. So <laughs> it's frustrating to me. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm really racking my brain for these ideas. And it's frustrating to me when I see a bad business idea name in the world. So I'm going to show this to you. This is a lawn service and garden uh, uh, store out in Daytona Beach or out on the East Coast somewhere. And they also do lawn maintenance. And mm. it's called Vertigo. V-E-R-D-E go. You see the sign here. I'm showing Ryan yeah. the sign. Um, so basically, I'm looking at that going, wait, Verde means green. It literally means green go. So that doesn't sound right to me. So I was trying to come up with some taglines to help it out a little bit because I love it as a bad business idea name. I It just sounds great. It's the epitome, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Vertigo, because what you want is your green to go away and our green to come in. Indeed, yeah. It's all about making Or money. alternately, Vertigo is obviously a pretty significant medical condition. The inner ear loss Yeah, that balance, you might have. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know that's a good name for a company unless... Our garden designs are so amazing. You'll lose your balance. You will experience dizziness and potentially nausea. Yeah, probably vomit on the, yeah. the grass. Yeah. All right. So that's the idea. So listen, if you see some bad business ideas, names out there in the world, and I didn't come up with them, just assume that I did. Let's do that. Just assume that that was my idea. Hence, Ryan, may I call you Ryan? Of course. Great. Uh, fruit bouquets. Are you familiar? Indeed. Yeah. So they make great gifts. Uh, they're healthy. Uh, they are, uh, they show people that you care, I guess. Well, yeah, because you spend a lot of money on it. Sure. Yeah, they're very expensive. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of downsides. So the expense, uh, fruit apparently goes bad. I've heard, yeah. From what I understand. Uh, there are disappointed, like if you give it to somebody and they bring it into the office, there's a lot of disappointed people who just wanted cupcakes or cookies or some other kind of sweets. And then, of course, there's allergies. With that in mind, I pitched an idea, a new kind of food bouquet that also takes into account a, a food trend that really isn't in America yet. Okay. So let's go ahead and say this. I think you're thinking what I'm thinking. I think we're on the same page here. Let's say it at the same time, a new type of food bouquet. What is it made out of? Something mm. that, oh, hang on. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm leading you to the answer. Do you already know the answer? No. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's something that other countries, other cultures do already and eat on a regular basis. So on the count of three, what does this food bouquet company uh, have as its bouquet bouquets? What do you call that? The little the flowers, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, two, 
three insects. insects. I was going to say insects. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, so the company is called Bug Bites. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, it's not doing well. But hmm. we have all the things that we should have. You know, first of all, we're an insect bouquet company, so that obviously sells itself. Uh, if it's a coworker you don't really like, it's a sibling who is your mom and dad's favorite, uh, someone who genuinely eats, liking, likes eating bugs, uh, we're the bouquet for their day. That's what I always say. Now, having said that, sales going really slowly. We have the beetles. We have crickets and grasshoppers. We have spiders, but it's just not selling well. Mm. So I wanted to see how we could spice this up a bit. I wanted to bounce some ideas off of you. Okay. Uh, so I was reading up on insects. Turns out there's a lot of them. Tons. In the world. At least it So yeah. uh, there are the types that glow, right? So you got glow worms. You've got fireflies. You're from Rhode Island. I would imagine you had some fireflies growing up. Love fireflies. Yeah. So what if you could eat fireflies? What if you could have uh, little snacks that glowed or that made you glow that weren't, more importantly, that weren't poisonous? Okay. So that little... That little, uh, yeah, that, that distinction, the non-poisonous part. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, it honestly makes me sad to think of eating a firefly because in my childhood, you know, you catch them in a jar, you get to see them glow, then you set them free and it was a beautiful oh, thing. Oh, wait, hang on. You set them free at the end? I, we didn't eat them at the time. I don't think huh. it was ever considered uh, at the time. But but now that you bring it up, I mean, are fireflies non, non-lethal, non-poisonous, I assume? Well, or? the way they are now, no. Okay. But <clears throat> with some genetic editing. They could. Yeah, mm. yeah, they could be and still glow. So what if we came up with some flavored fireflies? We could do alcoholic ones. We could do ones like Pop Rock type of things uh, that it kind of explode in your mouth in a good way. Yeah, alcoholic ones, yeah, because Fireball is a big, uh, a big, yeah, so Fireball flies. Yeah, yeah. You're picking up what I'm putting down. I see that, yeah. The other thing I read last week is there's a type of ant uh, worker ant okay. that some uh, colonies have, some to some of the genesis or species have, uh, where it's basically its only job is to attack predators, and then basically it explodes, it commits suicide, and it's full of poison. Acid, yeah. I've, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. And so if we do the same thing with them, I mean, those are basically fruit gushers, right, waiting to happen. Just have to edit them a little bit genetically, so that they're not, it's not full of poison. We could put chocolate. Strawberry filling. or We could put strawberry yeah. filling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It could be basically a Twinkie. It could be the Twinkie of edible insects. Yeah. No, I see where you're going with that. That's yeah. Good. yeah. So a bunch of these on a stick, a bunch of fireflies on a stick. It glows. Everybody's happy. That's bug bites. What do you think? I see the potential there. I, you know, in, in this world, I think uh, eventually we have to start considering Insects as a uh, as a viable as a option yeah. for food because you know it's getting too too costly and difficult to raise the bigger things like cattle and stuff. So um, I mean pioneering right there in this in this culture because like you said in other cultures this is already a thing and um, and so yeah I think uh, I think you're onto something I think that could well, work you just gotta kind of these brilliant ideas that you're coming up with yeah. that's it just be an innovator that's that's well what i like about it is we're skipping the step where we have to make it acceptable to eat bugs and just going into the next phase right obviously we're just assuming that it's okay to eat bugs and we're presenting them in a way that's even more appealing the- or spiteful if you want to send it to somebody you don't like it's true yeah yeah i mean the only i i think i think the genetic engineering part might be the part that some people will have issue with because a lot really? of that that gmo stuff i think people are really on that the non-gmo kick of uh yeah so so if we're creating giant insects for mm. eating 
uh, and for these fruit bouquets that may eventually escape or gain some sort of hyperintelligence yeah, yeah. and learn how to uh, hunt man, like the Indom- most dangerous game. Indominus Ant. Yeah, I mean, next thing you know, that Jurassic Park, which I literally just saw yesterday, the, the fourth one. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's always the danger when you're genetically mm-hmm. modifying things, mm-hmm. especially to... Uh, you know, living creatures. But what you're saying is that might not sit well with people. Mm, I think some people, you might have a segment of the population that might, for that reason alone, think, well, you know, I don't want the genetically modified insects. They just want, so maybe have two seconds, but have like the non-GMO baskets so that people right, can Right, the super boring baskets. That's the one, yeah. Just, we just grab these ants out of uh, a field and they're, you know, they're very much Field natural. ants. Field ants, I know. <laughs> but hey, if that's your thing, you know, then yeah, sure. we, we'll, we'll cater to that. But then if you want the really cool uh, you know, Boston cream ant that we just developed because that thing is crazy cool. Super, Delicious. Super fly. Um, yeah, then you can also go in that direction. I love it. Yeah, so. See, I think you're the right person for this job. I don't know if you saw on the fine print, but the uh, form that you fill out, and by fill out, I mean you responded to the email in which Ooh. I sent you to be on the show, right. uh, said that you have to run with one of these. So I'm really liking this one for you. Okay. Yeah. So you have to, uh, but you have another choice. Okay, let's go. So it doesn't have to be bug bites. Uh, uh, Ryan, as we all know, sitting is the new smoking and standing while working is where it's at. So you've had a desk job for a while. Did you sit or did you stand? I sat and yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. So you want to stand or you want to have at least one of those expander desks where it goes up or down. Those are very big right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at some for, uh, some of my coworkers and I don't really understand it, but it seems to me that the issue is that not only are you standing, but you also want people to know that you're standing and you still want your standing desk to look cooler than everybody else's. So, yeah. So can we do something like desk toppers or desk pop that will allow us to really bling out your standing desk and add some stuff to it? So like wallpaper or uh, velvet, can we, can we outfit it in a sort of a velvet uh, almost like wearing, you could have a matching uh, smoking jacket yeah, to go with your standing desk. Something along those lines. Uh, wallpaper really would look cool, uh, right down the sides maybe, around it. Some sort of light system uh, that could maybe play to music, almost like the Christmas lights. Now the very complicated Christmas lights they have out Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really thinking about that a lot. So desk pop, I think, is the uh, is the one that I want to call it. But the idea that standing desk may also not be the most healthy things, like what's next after that? So we start this desk company that's also, you know, we're not only blinging out your desk, we're also thinking about what's next in desk technology. So we had sitting already, thousands of years of sitting. And yeah, it was not good. Now we have standing. But eventually that's going to be the new smoking. And so what's next? Is it laying down? Is there a desk where you're prone on your back and you're looking up? And really, that's that's the dream, right, for an employer? Because basically, you could be working 24 hours a day at that point. Just taking short catnaps, waking up, finishing an email, catnap. You may hit reply all fairly often, but... That's fine. That I don't happens. have a problem with that if you're working 24-7. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that the standing, once that's gone, I think you can go in two directions. You could do the lying down or maybe a trampoline. Um, I know that some people have the treadmill thing. You know, I feel very uh, rodent in that in that sense when you're yeah. just standing there walking over and over. Does it produce the electricity for the computer that would when be, you're right, walking on the We thing? might be onto something there. Yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
or, you know, kind of matrix style, just hook it up to your body and uh, your body's own electrical uh, charge could be harnessed, yeah, yeah, harnessed and create the current to uh, to charge your electronics. I think that is actually a that's a reasonable idea right there. Anyhow. I yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it crushed velvet. You had me at the velvet anything. Yeah, I think uh, I think the velvet, uh, maybe the laying down on velvet. And then the laying working, down on velvet, yeah, yeah, working some, yeah, up. Some, some good velvet. Working yeah. up. You're managing up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I like up. it. Yeah. Okay, so now you have a choice: desk pop or bug bites. Hmm. Vertigo is off the table because that's already the thing. Apparently, apparently. they've already, already that got concept. it. Um, I would say the bug bites. I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know insects actually offer uh, a tremendous benefit to to society because they're easy to raise and they're healthy and yada yada. And uh, yeah, I think you know. And then I like the spiteful aspect of that one as well. I mean, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, it can be a mean gift or it could be. Uh, well, it's a mean gift disguised as a thoughtful gift. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, just which is my mo. Just beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful concept. Yeah. 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 All right, okay. let me go bug bites. Bug bites. For Ryan, he'll be putting that out there, really improving it. I'm going to put a date and a number of which I'm going to put into this company, and that number is going to be zero. Wow. So I'm going to so go I just ahead. have to collect my own insects. And, uh, and uh, yeah, how hard could that be? We're in Florida. It's, they're everywhere. <laughs> no cockroaches. That's Damn. my only oh, thing. Well, then I don't know if I can collect any no insects then. No cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Those bum me out. I'm not going to eat it. So if yet, I but. send you that basket, you're going to be disappointed. Okay. Oh, wait. That works then. <laughs> yeah, we got that. Uh, okay, let's play a song. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Daft Punk with uh, Face to Face, because that's what we're doing right now. Let me set, have we set the scene? We're only about four inches apart. We're, we're literally I mean, face to face. We have to share a microphone. We don't have to, but I choose to have my guest share a microphone There's with like me. There's like six other microphones here, too. That's yeah, 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 yeah. But I, this way, it's more... Very intimate. Intimate. It's more, I mean, I can really smell everything that's happening. Starbucks coffee. As you can. <laughs> Starbucks coffee is a big listener. Thank you, Starbucks, for your coffee <laughs> and this traumatic experience that we're going through right now. So Daft Punk with Face to Face on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Ice Pants. Are your trousers ready for a rise in temperature? A literal rise in the temperature of the earth, not the fun kind. It will be once you get a pair of ice pants. Similar to a regular pair of slacks, ice pants are lined with a space-age polymer that stays cold all day. Throw it in the freezer each night, ready to go in the morning. They come in a variety of styles, and so long as you don't iron them, you or your town won't be exposed to deadly radiation. Also, don't get them wet or feed them after midnight. Ice pants. Climate change? More like climate chic. Order at toacertaindegree.com. Daft Punk on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, face to face. I think I'm really having my emphasis is really way off. I should take some classes. You're killing it. I don't know what you're talking All about. right. Ryan Forstall is here. Good morning. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick Ryan Forstall. Very special guest about to release you back into the wild in about half an hour. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I won't then. Fair enough. Uh, racquetball was mentioned earlier. Yes. And I play racquetball, or I used to play racquetball. I love oh, okay. racquetball, uh, which is a very northeastern type of sport because you can't always get outside to play tennis. So a lot of people would go and play racquetball. I wanted to share this before we talk about music. I want to talk a little bit about music. Uh, but as a metaphor for life, I wrote some notes down as far as racquetball goes. It's really about running as fast as you can directly at immovable walls. Okay. 
Most of the time you stop before you get a severe injury and occasionally you score a point. So a metaphor for life, yeah, racquetball. Yeah, when did you start playing racquetball? I actually started when I came down to Florida because of the well, exact that opposite. ruins the whole thing. <laughs> you're, you're a little backwards on the... Actually, <laughs> up north, um, I played tennis because um, because for much of the year... When I was younger, it seemed like winter was a lot shorter. And now yeah. winter is like 11 and a half months long. And you got like two weeks that you kind of... Can go outside. This amalgam of three other seasons gets clumped into. But dark cold weather is now the thing up there. But for a long time, you could play tennis, be outside, and not be destroyed by the sun. And uh, and so I played tennis in high school and, and a little bit after, and then I moved down to Florida, and it was just way too hot to be on a tennis court. Right. Racquetballs, it's, for it, the most part, the indoor, you got air conditioning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the thing. And then you show up to a tennis you know, tennis courts, and there might be someone else there. Chances are they're probably already with someone, and they're playing their thing. And so unless you have a set game that you're, you know, in, in planning on attending to, um, it's harder to find a match. And then when you get to the court and there's no one else there, then you're just, you know, practicing your serve or, and then you're shagging balls and it, well, it's not as much fun. But on a racquetball court, you show up. If there's other people there, you play them. If there's not, you can go in that court and practice by yourself and have almost as much fun. And for me, I, I have as much fun just sitting in a court kind of to my own thoughts and just drilling shots and the ball comes right back to you and it's, it's very fun. And it's one of the most athletic sports. I think a lot of people think it's an old man sport or it's just kind of this obscure. It's it's just so much fun and there's yeah. so much yeah. technique and strategy yeah. and it's just at a very, very high level. But at the same time, you don't have to be athletic to play. A lot of the guys I play are these older, seemingly out of shape people who just have the technique and the, the knowledge. Can place the ball and exactly it. where they want. Yeah. You either if you don't, if they, if it ball goes to them, they can put the ball somewhere where you're going to have a lot of trouble getting to it. So even though I'm a lot more athletic than a lot of people I play, technically, it doesn't mean that I'm going to smoke them on the court. So. Right. That's what I always liked about it was that I always kind of told myself, well, the reason I'm not any better at it after years and years of playing is that I don't, I like, I'm not old enough to be that good at it. But the other thing is, I don't want to. I like running around trying to chase the ball down. Like, that's a challenge to me. Like, can I get back there fast enough to hit it off the back wall to get it to the front? Right. So I always enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you can definitely play that game. Um, yeah. The, and the guys that don't play that game will take advantage of the fact that you run around a lot. And, they'll, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll make you pay for that. But it's um it's just it's tremendous fun and and you know you you find good camaraderie too um you know uh, mm-hmm. from playing as much as they do and seeing a lot of the same people at these courts you you know you start to make a lot of friends doing it so it's fun getting so what it made me think of is getting ready for if you're driving and you're uh going to go play some racquetball what are you listening to but then also if you're going to an audition okay. if you're going to a gig uh if you're getting ready to uh to do something work-wise what are you listening to? How do you psych yourself up? So let's start with racquetball. Do you do anything specific? Are you listening to EDM for the most part on the way there? <laughs> yeah, always the EDM. Yeah. No, I, you know, um, music is a, is a huge part of my life. However, I don't use it all the time because it can put you into a, a, a zone. Um, I'm a creature of habit. I have a very specific routine when I get to the gym. I go in, I set my stuff down at the courts. I, I, I take my sip of water. I stretch for a second at the court. Then I walk to the sauna. I stretch in the sauna for about four or five minutes. Then I come back out, stretch, and then I'll actually just throw the racquetball with my hand 
um, in the court for about five minutes just to kind of limber up a bit. Then I'll get my gloves and I'll start. Sometimes I'll work out a little bit. And it is, and that's the routine. And if I don't follow that routine, I find that I don't play as well. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, I have to, that's like how I get in my mental space to, you know, I feel like I'm fully warmed up and ready after I do those things. As far as music goes, I don't use that too much in terms of racquetball. But for for acting, for auditions, Music is a big thing. I mean, it depends on what I'm going for. If I'm going for a young, fun part, you know, energy, high energy, um, I might listen to, you know, a little bit of pop music pop or something music, along those lines. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever I think would be most appropriate to the the character, the mo- the mode of, yeah, because like I said, in Florida, it's a lot of commercial stuff. So yeah. it's really about the feeling, the mode. Um, so if it's, you know, again, high energy, fun, it might be pop, it might be a rock song. It depends. If it's more of a, you know, if I'm, if I'm a dad in the commercial and it's, you know, more serious tones, sometimes you're, you know, for a funeral home or something like that, I'm probably not going to listen to pop. I might listen to something a little more somber to kind of put me in that mood and that zone. And then when you get there, you're kind of in that, that space, that emotion. And, and so, yeah, music is a very powerful tool. It's amazing. It's, It's music and smell are the two things that will put me into a place quicker than anything else. I mean, if you smell something that you can associate with something throughout your life, it puts me right back there. There's certain scents that put me right in high school or right, you know, in childhood, smell of certain flower or perfume or something. Um, same thing with a song. You just hear a song and you're like, shoot, you, you're instantly back in the, right, the backseat of that car, yeah. or, you know, wherever. And you're, you, you just, that, that memory is very, very. So if you get a song attached. and a smell at the same time, you're gone. My, my brain melts right out of my ears. Yeah. So if much. you ever see Ryan and he's just kind of stopping and staring, that's what happened. Yeah. He smelled something and heard something at the same time. Tonic immobility. I just lay there motionless <laughs> for until someone scratches my belly and then I wake back up. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, at least you, you have that method. Um, a lot of people coming up scratching you on the belly? All the time. Yeah. All the time. yeah that's yeah. really strange. You seem jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like also coming up with these playlists as a bad business idea, playlists for uh, actors and for getting in the mode of a particular thing. So if you have to be somber, here's your playlist. We could put it on Spotify. Yeah, it's actually another smart. very smart idea. bad business idea. If you don't want to do bug bites, I'll give you an out here and we'll just do these uh, like subscription playlists for actors. Yeah. I get like, into the right mode. I think that's an actual uh, money <laughs> moneymaker right there. <laughs> Yes, none of these are money makers. Uh, if you were to give somebody advice, like either coming out of high school or somebody who wanted to uh, act uh, and was looking around, obviously you don't want them competing with you, so you wouldn't give them advice. But just if you did, if like let's say they were going to move somewhere else, what would the advice uh, you would give them in terms of either breaking in or uh, you know going through the process of becoming a, a working actor? Uh, you know, educate yourself, do, do the, do the schooling and classes and take workshops and do all of that stuff. Because although you, uh, you know, you might know a lot, there's, there's always more to know and, and just the most thorough knowledge of it that you can have. And I think that's true of anything, you know, any, any, anything that you pursue, if it's music or whatever, just immerse yourself into it, get, get yourself all around it. And it'll really, it'll round you in that sense. The other thing is just get used to rejection and don't take things personally. Because in this industry, there's just so much no. You just, and it's not, oftentimes it's nothing to do with you. You know, you, 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 you audition for something, you don't book it. And it's not because you didn't do well. It's because they were looking for the guy with the dark hair and you got light hair. They were looking, you know, they cast a kid that has blue eyes. You got brown eyes. You couldn't, it doesn't look like you'd be his dad or, or whatever the, the particular of that is. You just, you get a lot of rejection. And I think a lot of people, take it personally they get hurt by it and uh 
and you know, it, it hinders their growth in the industry because they think they start to think they're not good enough or there's something wrong with them. And it's just not the case. So if you're coming up, if you're starting, just be prepared to be told no a lot. Even if you think you're the greatest thing in the world, even if you've been told you're the greatest thing in the world, you're still gonna get a ton of rejection. Um, you know, the greatest actors are told no all the time too. So, um, I think that's, that's the thing. Just it's not necessarily grow thick skin. It's just make sure that you understand why you're getting the rejection. And it's not because of your shortcomings. It's because of just these external the factors you can't yeah. do anything about. Yeah. So is it a matter of not approaching it as a competition <laughs> and approaching it as just sort of like it's any other job interview, right? Like you may not be the right person for it's it. It's not a competition. It is so not a competition. And, and that is true. A lot of people look at it as they, they walk into these auditions and they see people that kind of look like them and they start to feel competitive against these people. And you do have that. And then you can get hurt when you see that that person booked and you didn't. And you think, well, they won. No, it's not true. That was their role. And you know what? You'll book over them sometimes. And then it's your role. Again, it comes down to these other external factors that you really don't have any control over. Um, you just, you should be happy for the other people that, that book. And, you know, and because it really, it is, it is in poor taste when I see people gripe or, or, you know, fret over the fact that they didn't book and you did or whatever. You're just like, Hey, you've booked over me before. Um, you know, it's, yeah, chill it's, out. it's the nature of this, of this industry. You know, it's just what they were looking for was me this time. It really comes down to these casting directors have a vision of what they want and they'll, they'll cast a wide net and they'll say all these different people can come audition, but really in their minds, in their hearts, they kind of have something that they're specifically looking for. And they're trying to find the person that best fits that mold, whatever it right. is that they're finding. And if, you, if it's you, then great. And if it's not, you really didn't have much of a shot at it, but they wanted to see it anyway, just to maybe see if maybe something else could yeah, maybe they bring were wrong. To the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or somebody who chose them something they didn't think about, but, but really they probably knew what they wanted and, and yeah. you just have to try and be that. And if you're not, you don't know what it is they're looking for. You just bring your best game every time, hope that it's you and, you know, and ho or hope that if it wasn't you, that you convince them it should be you. And the next thing you know, you get booked, but that's unfortunate. And, and, you know, the more boxes you check off, if, if, if you have a lot of, you know, Right now, what's very hot in the industry is ethnically ambiguous. People who don't, you can't look at them and peg them for exactly what they are. They might be Hispanic. They might be black. They might be, you know, whatever. So um, th that's pretty hot right now. So if you uh, if you have those things, you know, you might book more often. But they, uh, because they, that, that's one of the boxes that everyone's trying to check off. But yeah. if, if you check off a lot of boxes, you'll book more often. If you have a very niche look, if you look extremely one culture, one nationality, you, you know, you kind of only will book parts that they're looking for that very specific thing. But a lot of advertising, a lot of commercial stuff, they're trying to appeal to the broadest market possible. And a lot of times that's somebody who doesn't look very specifically one thing. So what about uh, bearded, kind of swarthy, a lot of flop sweats? Okay. A lot of flop. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but I am oh, dripping. We're talking about you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so are those the checkboxes? That's pretty much the only thing that I uh, that they're, they're trying to cast right now, as far yeah. as I know. That's yeah. that's pretty much the entire market. Perfect. That's all you. Perfect. I'm in for that. Well, let's play another song while I dry off. Uh, let's see. Oh, Queen. Good company. Yes. And then we'll come back with pop quiz. Pop quiz. I don't have a theme song quiz for that. Quiz pop, yeah. Yeah, pip, pip, quiz pop. Oh, that's a really good drinks name. I like it. All right. Okay. So uh, Queen with Good Company on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Bidbus. What's better than a cheap ride share? How about one where you don't know the destination? Bidbus works just like Lyft, but with a healthy dose of eBay. Your drop-off is auctioned off, so you're delivered to the highest bidder. 
Will it be your house? A coffee shop? A timeshare presentation? Just remember, you have the option to outbid them, so everyone wins. Well, mainly we win. We always win. Bidbus, helping businesses capture new customers. Ah, maybe capture isn't the right word here? Well, download the app at toacertaindegree.com. Queen on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the best in basement radio and the voice of Rollins College. You're listening to a certain degree, which sounds weird when I say it out loud. Because, Mm. I mean, technically, I think everybody is listening to a certain degree. To some extent. Yeah, well... I should have named this show that. Is that what you're saying? To some extent, yeah. It's a lot shorter. TSE sounds way better than TACD, which looks like taco. Mm, But those tacos are delicious. Uh, Okay, you're confusing and making me hungry at the same time. That's how I do. Yeah, it is. Uh, Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Ryan Forstall, local actor, uh, hair, facial hair aficionado. Why, thank you. Yeah, you don't have any, actually. I'm very little. Have you ever grown out uh, your facial hair for a role? I, uh, well, to just slightly longer than I have it now. So, oh, I mean, so just a little scrub? Yeah, it's not. I, I don't grow good facial hair. Not everyone can do what you do with the uh, this amazing face of hair that you've got here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not my thing. I'll have patches that don't grow in, so it'll look slightly absurd. I look like someone with bad, you know, high school facial hair but oh yeah the mustache is the key if you can't grow the mustache then don't even bother yeah i could never be a police officer because you got to have a good mustache and, and yeah. that's i mean that's a prereq yeah so, yeah that's all the only reason that's the only thing that is remember. the only reason that kept you from Being going to the academy officer. that's it yeah all right very good well good to know that let's learn a little bit more about you uh by doing a pop quiz so uh space is a thing true and from what i understand the final frontier Mm-hmm. So I have a very special guest to help me with today's quiz. It is Brendan Byrne. Uh, he's been on the show a couple of times. He's a space reporter at 90.7 WMFE. Very familiar. Yeah. If you've, you, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Brendan oh, Byrne. good, good. And uh, he's host of a really great podcast about space exploration called Are We There Yet? So he's here live via a recording, Wow. which is how, how we do it. Uh, to bring some much-needed expertise and professionalism to the show. So we're going to hear from Brendan right now. Are you ready? Let's do it. This is a pop quiz. So excited. This is serious stuff. Hey, howdy, folks. Thanks for the invite, Nick. This is really fun and surprisingly not the first time I've done space trivia. So I feel like there is a future in space trivia hosting. Um, So if anybody needs me for parties or bar mitzvahs, uh, get my contact from Nick. Okay, anyways. This week marks the 17th anniversary of STS-100. The space shuttle Endeavour launched on April 21st, 2001 and returned to Earth on May 1st. It was a successful mission with a lot of notable achievements, including the installation of a multi-purpose arm on the space station. Manufactured in Canada, what was the name of the arm? Is it A, Canada Arm 2, B, Handy Manny, or C, our future robot overlord? So what do you think about that, Three Ryan? very viable options. Really there. good answers, yeah, really I mean, good answers. Andy Manny. Brendan, by the way, has a great voice for radio. Doesn't he? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's yeah. uh, that's impressive. Unlike myself, I think, um, I, oh, God. Do you want to read them again? Ooh, we know the, the our future robot overlord. I'm going to go with A. The Canadarm 2? Can- Canadarm 2. I feel like they're very vain, and they would probably name it after themselves. I feel like Handy Manny is an American thing. I feel like they would try and separate themselves from that. And then the uh, Future Robot Overlord, 
is uh, too too spot on, too yeah, on the nose. Yeah, it's a little yeah. too on the nose. So yeah, I'm gonna go with A because Canada is so vain. All right, let's see. Canada is so vain. Love Canada though. The Canada Arm Two. It's the successor to the Space Shuttle Bay Arm, and much more advanced. It can actually move end over end like an inchworm to anywhere on the station. It has smaller robots that attach to it, allowing it to carry objects around to do much more delicate work. Very nice. Oh, you got that man. one right. You're one for one. So smart. All right. Are you so ready for the next one? And modest. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Can you can you ask the next one? Brendan? All right. Moving on. NASA kept track of a lot of data for each shuttle mission, including flight distance. For STS-100, how many million miles did the Endeavor log? How many million miles? So basically, it's traveling around the Earth every 90 minutes. It sees a uh, two... Well, it sees a sunset and a sunrise okay. uh, every 45 minutes. And so it's going pretty fast, pretty far, hooked up to the International Space Station. Still went millions of miles. About how many million miles do you think it went? Well, last year alone in business miles, I think I racked up about 8 million miles. Okay. So, yeah, I, I know that you can definitely rack up miles pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, so let's, I think the circumference of the Earth is about 24,000 miles. I sure. could be off by a couple million there. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say, oh, this is a tough one. How long was it up there for? Uh, it was about eight. No, it was the 21st through the first. Okay. So 11 days. 11 days. Yeah. I like all the math you're pretending to do. Carry the one. Uh-huh. And I'm going to say. This is very exciting. Thir- 13. I'm going to say 7 million miles. 7 million. Okay. Well, yeah. Hey, Brendan, is he right? The Endeavor put 4.9 million miles on its odometer this mission, give or take the 8,000 feet it needed to land at Edwards Air Force Base. So that was good. That was really close. So I was right. Yeah. yeah was you were essentially right. Perfect. I mean, there I mean, obviously is a plus or minus 2 million on an answer for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you round, if you're rounding numbers, that was close. Yeah. Okay. So, Brendan, are you ready for the next question? Brendan? Brendan? So a tradition on space flights dating back to the first manned mission is the wake-up call. This is a song and sometimes a recorded message sent to wake up the crew for each day shift. So popular songs include David Bowie's Space Oddity and Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Recorded messages are sometimes from family and often celebrities like William Shatner and Robin Williams. For STS-100, wake-up songs were chosen for the crew included Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins and Take It From Day to Day by Canadian Stan Rogers. That one was in honor of Chris Hadfield's spacewalk, which was the first ever by a Canadian astronaut. So here's a question for you both. What song would you want to hear as a wake-up call to get you going in the morning? And if you could have any person record a message to go along with it, who would it be? Oh, this is a good This is a very subjective one. Wow, so yeah. You're in space. You need somebody, you need a song to get you going in the morning, and you can have a message from anybody recorded and sent out to you. Who would it be from? Uh, gosh. Well, start with a song. Start with a song. Song. Um, Mine would be uh, Queen. Um, I think it would have to be probably... Fat Bottom Girls. Fat Bottom Girls. That would get me uh, awake in the morning in space, I think, would Absolutely. be uh, really good. But, yeah, Queen's my favorite band, so I'd want to hear something from them. And well, then message-wise... What song by Queen? I, I, I didn't Oh, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I can't think of any right now, but uh, what's the one with David Bowie? 
under pressure. Yeah, that one. How about that? That's a beautiful song. I was just singing it the other day. Love yeah. That song. yeah. So I think if I'm in space, that's an appropriate song for anybody to play for me. That is a great choice. And then I would want a message from Beyonce. Wow. Yeah. The Bay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She has actually recorded some before. Oh, has she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, without getting, without getting, well, I'll go with my recorded message, without getting political advice. I, I'd like a former President Barack Obama to give me, uh, to give me, if I, I, a little pep yeah. talk. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Send me, okay. some, send me some, uh, some message. I think he's cool. And then uh, as far as the song goes, oof. Gosh, this is a, what's a song? Wow. I could stall for the remainder of our time here trying to think of a song. Let's see. Why don't we see what Brendan has? Let's see what he's got. Yeah, Yeah, Brendan. Brendan? I think I'd have to choose anything by Bruce Springsteen. I've recently rediscovered my love for the boss. The boss. And I'd love for him to record a message or even Max Weinberg. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Max Weinberg or uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Amazing drummer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. You ready for the last question? Let's do it. Let's do it. Brendan? Brendan? So last question. The space shuttles carried Italian-made modules up to the space station to transfer equipment, supplies, and experiments back and forth. Each one was named after a famous Italian artist and, coincidentally, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. STS-100 carried the Raffaello to the station, but there were only two other modules, meaning one of the Ninja Turtles didn't have a module named after him. Who was it? One Ninja Turtle didn't have a module named. So this was the module they took up. They connected it so they could move stuff in and out. Right. It was very cool. But uh, there were three of them total, all three named after Ninja Turtles. But as we know from our history books, of course, there are four Ninja Turtles. Every history book. Yeah, well, okay, let's lay down. The, so Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo were our artists that became more Famously known as Ninja Turtles. I'm going to go with... Uh, Way more famous. I mean, who, who really knows him as artists anymore? Um, let's say that uh, Leon... No, you got to have a Da Vinci. Um, Michelangelo. Hmm. I think Michelangelo. Hey, let's ask Brendan if you're correct. Let's see. Michelangelo was the odd turtle out. No space pizza for him. Donatello was the tech geek of the Ninja Turtles, so they named the most advanced module after him. But ironically, it never made it to orbit, and they eventually used parts from the module to convert Leonardo to a permanent module on the station. Well, that's it for me. Uh, Thanks so much, Nick, and uh, see you on the radio. Uh, That was Brendan Byrne, everyone. Very nice. You got the last one right. I think you got all of them right. That's Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say, in my mind, that's how I'll remember it. Absolutely. So, and always, as always, you can catch Brendan just about every day on 90.7 WMFE. He also produces Intersection, which can be heard on Tuesday and Friday at 9 a.m., or WMFE.org, and you should subscribe to his podcast. I subscribe. Do you subscribe? I don't. However, I don't subscribe to any podcasts. I'm pretty terrible about that. Great. Well, that's exactly what you should tell the host of a podcast. After this experience, I think you may have changed my ways. I appreciate your uh, opening my eyes to this. Wonderful, wonderful. Ryan Forstall, you've been an amazing guest. I'm going to set you free to go back out into the world. Uh, do you have anything coming up that we should know about that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for? Um, definitely the movie, Fox mm-hmm. Hunt Drive. When that movie comes out, um, I, uh, the IMDb says 2019. It's going to be edited and, and ready by the end of this year. So keep an eye out for Fox Hunt Drive. I have a very large role in that. And then just if you, I know most people don't watch commercials, but uh, if you do, I'm on a lot of commercials that run on this market. So you'll, you may see me around. And, so uh, just watch commercials and look for keep you. Keep an eye out. I, I appear all over the place. So. I like it. 
Uh, I've got a couple more uh, acting uh, adjacent guests coming up. So Marco and Sam DeGeorge. Okay. DeGeorge? DeGeorge? I'm not sure how to say it. We're going to ask that next week. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, from Truthful Acting Studios are coming in. And then the week after, uh, Ricardo Saltero-Brown, who wrote a uh, piece or a, a, a act. One act? No. A play, I think they're called. Thank you. Uh, that's going to be a Fringe Festival this year. He's uh, on the week after. Fringe, yeah. Pl- everyone, please check that out. You Support should go to the Fringe. Yes, Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much. More than a pleasure. This has been an extremely uh, humbling experience. You are a phenomenal person, and this has been so much fun. I don't take compliments well. well you can have to learn. So get out. Fair enough. I'm okay. <laughs> uh, and this has been To a Certain Degree. I have been Nick. I will continue to do so, I guess, until next week. Coming up next is uh, Best Hour with Smarketing News. And apparently Kristen Maneri is here. Old friend of the show, old friend of my show, Kristen Maneri is here, who is also Canadian. And uh, what did you say about Canadians? Extremely uh, smart and uh, and yeah. versatile people. Yeah. And full of themselves, if I remember correctly. I don't know where you got yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. Let's hear Summer Camp with Ghost Train to take us out on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. They may not respect your privacy, but we sure do. Search for To A Certain Degree. Give us a follow, a like, a comment, any kind of validation. We just need a little validation. Who doesn't? We're not that different than you. We're not that different than you. We're not that different, you and us. Also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certain degree, dot com. Until next time, don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs>